gentlemen, welcome to a special feature interview from the Wide World of Wargaming. I am your host, Vincent Morgado, from the X-Wing and 40K segments, and I am joined by John Fairhelm of the Age of Sigmar podcast. We are proud to welcome Mr. Arthur Fosenik, Global Head of Publishing for Wargaming.net North America, who has joined us to discuss a personal interest of mine, the online action game World of Warships and the new edition of the Submarine Class. John has agreed to join me due to his prior history with World of Tanks, and his long-standing interest in all things military, as well as him becoming possibly my new Warships disciple in the near future. How's it going? As far as the relationship here goes, John is my technical and military advisor. I'm, I'm just the guy who plays the game. Uh, <laughs> cool. I have, a, I have right. a technical and military advisor, too. I should have brought him. <laughs> I have a feeling he would have made John and me look stupid very, very quickly, so I'm kind of glad you didn't. I'd like to start the conversation with kind of some of the outreach that you guys do as far as the, I believe it's called, was it Operation Lifeboat? And then some of the historical outreach, like for the Texas and things like that. Um, I know you guys were, were not indirectly involved in trying to keep that uh, a museum ship for a lot of months. Yeah, we wanted to, well, we, we tried to help uh, the USS Texas stay uh, stay afloat in, in her dock and we contributed, uh, contributed a few hundred thousand to that, but yeah. You know, it's a, a drop in the bucket of their 22 million that they needed. But they, yeah. I, I think they got it finally. They got funding from the state, as far as I understand, and she's now in dry dock. And actually, now they're looking for a new, um, a new mooring place for her, which is going to be interesting to see where she ends up. Uh, yeah, there's not a lot of places that can handle a dreadnought. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> right. That's unfortunately not a thing we build for anymore. You know, we have a, a, a large parking lot in front of the office. I would. Um, I would love I, it. I bet. I actually believe that if Wargaming could, you guys would put the Texas right out in front of the office. Honestly, I would, I would put it in the on the river in Central Austin. It would be amazing. I'm just not sure how they would get it there. That's the only logistics problem that I haven't figured out. It's just it's all about money. You know? Yep. As as with all things. So submarines. They have been added to World of Warships. They have been rumored for two years. They were baited last year. I believe for for the first time. September through December. The way, uh, was, was th this was planned from the beginning, I assume. The submarines were always meant to be included. No, not, not no. really. No. So like, what we tell to the community, and we've told them for like more than three years, we're not planning submarines in the game. That, that was actually true. We were not planning yeah. submarines in the game. And that's a, it's a design and development choice. When we were making the game, our priority was to make a product that is uh, business viable. And from a, a customer perspective, that means we're making a game that's supposed to be fun. And so when we were looking at um, at what we wanted to do in, in the sense of the niche of naval combat in the first half of the 20th century, we saw uh, four classes of ships that were predominantly involved in, in naval combat in that era. And we chose to make sure that we have a coherent gameplay paradigm and interactions between those four classes, because those four classes used uh, similar characteristics to fulfill their roles, right? They right. Uh, mostly used direct projection of power, uh, either through firing lead at, at each other or dropping lead uh, from planes, right? Uh, and then they used armor schemes to prevent damage from happening. But submarines didn't fit into that paradigm because they use a different characteristic. They use mostly stealth and positioning, and they were not meant to inflict direct damage in naval engagements. They were meant to mostly inflict economic damage. Correct. And so we, in the beginning, we didn't know how to make sure that that different paradigm fits into our gameplay, and we simply didn't want to 
to damage the game by doing that. Right. Um, but now, after four years, we're kind of we're confident in the stability of the gameplay that we've built over the, the years. The core loop. The core loop with all of the balance issues and balance changes that we've had. We've kind of proven to ourselves and to the community that the game will not die just because we're going to rebalance carriers or we're going to do something else. And so, and the, the audience is also stable. It's actually on a, a slow growing trend. So now we're confident that we can do a big change like that. And it's also good for the product as well to refresh it and, and add a major part of new content. And then the challenge is just how to make sure that we uh, that we do both things, that we make sure that we integrate submarines into the core gameplay loop or the core battle uh, experience. Sure. Uh, have it relatively balanced, although balance is a, uh, honestly is a secondary consideration to the yes. to the design. Yep. And convey the the feelings and the the romantic ideas that people have about submarine com combat, and that's mostly yeah. fueled by mass media, right? Exposure through throughout the last fifty years, probably of of Hollywood and 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 Netflix and other stuff, showing people this is you know the experience that people should expect from Das Boot or from even Hunt for Red October, even though it's a totally different era, but different that's era. what people. But that's what people expect. People expect yeah. to be able to to do one thing only, and uh, and that's what we need to give them primarily. So and that's I, what, we, what we hope I, to do. I, I I just want to put this. I want to ask right away. Was one ping only the reason why there's why that noise is going to be in the game? Because otherwise, you could you could do something different, or or just have it be reflected visually. So if you think about it, it's it's not specifically that movie, but yeah. uh, the, the the general uh, body of, of media that was produced on submarines, it, it predominantly uses that kind of sound. Yeah. So that's what people know and what people expect. It's we kind of we could do something else, but why would we do that? There's right. Just no tap sense. into the already people, established psyche. It's, it's, not, it's not even a it's not even about that, but it's about the fact that people would say that's not a submarine sound because I've seen the movies. Yep. Because as with all things, the online community always knows more than the people who are actually there and who actually study the things. <laughs> and the interesting thing is that in many cases they do know better than us because you know they, they are hyper passionate as a community about the subject matter. And in many cases, they've actually studied more than we have on the subject matter because we've only done it for six, seven, eight years maybe before the you know, from, from now. So we studied like three years before the game was, was released and they've studied for all of their lives. Yeah, the board gaming community is extremely more. varied professionally and, you know, demographically. Um, what, uh, the, the way I understand it, we're going to be, you guys are going to be adding Germany and America first are going to be the two lines. Yes, in terms of submarines, you mean? Yes, German yeah. and American submarines plus Soviets on the kind of, uh, on, in the second leg. Okay. And that's mostly because those are the ones that we have the most blueprints for, like in terms right. of like, I was talking like, to John. building models. Uh, I was talking to John before the show about your guys' reputation for gaining access to you know the non-classified stuff and using that as how you build your game and it being very realistically modeled in a lot of ways. Um, we even have access to some classified stuff, believe it or not. See, see, John, that's what I mean. And the, um, the reason for that is because, for example, uh, when we wanted to do the French Navy, all of their museums are part of their Department of Defense. 
So to gain access to their archives, we needed to get clearance from the Department of Defense. Oh, very interesting. So, so they, uh, you know, they, they did a, did they do a background check on world on wargaming.net? <laughs> yes, they. You know, the the problem for us in many cases is that most of our development team are Russian nationals, so they yeah. needed to get a visa and they needed to get security clearance from right. the Ministry of Defense to be able to enter the the French national archives, for example. Mm -hmm. So yes, they yeah. did do background checks in many places. I, 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 I suspect that joke was more on the nose than I thought when I originally made it. Um, I mean, it's part of the job. It's just reality for yeah. us. And when you, uh, was there, I, I, I'm going to try to, I want to find the right, right way to ask this. Was there, when you pick a line to add, like when you decide that it's going to be Germany and America first, are you, Yes, it's also blueprints, but I also have to assume that there's a business element to this. You know, is there a certain community, a certain segment of the community that you're that you're I don't want to say rewarding, but are that you're aiming to serve most when you add these lines right away? So obviously there is a business element. Like when you're planning a product, you plan a target audience for it. And so in, in that sense, we kind of grew um, a, a part of the success of World of Warships or the, the idea for World of Warships was obviously World of Tanks and its success. Yeah. But yep. the, the target markets are very, very different. Uh, World of Tanks is primarily CIS market. Uh, that's where the cultural phenomenon is for World of Tanks. Uh, and for us, it was not that. For us, it was primarily the uh, the Western audience. So uh, North American players were a primary tar target and, w and Western European players. Yeah. And, then, and then Japan as a, a kind of separate part within uh, Asia, right? Mm -hmm. And so we started with, um, with the American and the Japanese ships in the very beginning yep. for, for that reason, because first of all, those were the ships that we had the most resources for uh, and references for, but also because we believe that that is the best starting point for us to have a, um, a kind of the descriptive theater of conflict uh, that caters to the widest amount of our target audience that we can right. uh, you know, serve with that content in the beginning. But after that, it doesn't matter that much, honestly, because we assume that if you're a naval enthusiast or, or a history nerd, so to speak, that is interested in naval warfare, you're not going to be limiting yourself to just the Baltic, for example. Uh, you're going to be interested in the whole body. So it does, doesn't really matter whether we introduce uh, the Soviets first or the Germans first, other than the, the fact that everybody wants the Germans. So that's what we needed to do the next after those. Uh, because most people will just wait for it. Yeah. So, so uh, most of our choices nowadays are considerations around around gameplay. What ships do we have and what kind of engineering characteristics they have that allow us to translate into a specific gameplay paradigm that yeah. we don't have yet so that it's new and fresh or at least a, a bit different from what we already have. I'm, gl I'm glad you know you brought up gameplay this early because that's I'm uh, John has known me for for many many years. Yep. Uh, we actually got to know each other playing Warhammer 40,000. I'm oh, a gamer first. That's, I'm a, you know, I'm a I'm, I'm old with Warhammer. <laughs> nice. Many, many years. You found a kindred spirit. Uh, sir, you're welcome to come back and talk 40K with us anytime. Well, um, all right, John, save me. Is, now, I'm not super familiar with World of Warships. Very curious, very interesting game. I've looked at it. And one of those things where I, I see myself, uh, it's funny, as Vince, uh, 
uh, got me uh, to join him in this interview. I'm like, okay, well, let me let me explore this game. I've now explored so many videos and everything. I'm like, I'm actually ready to play this thing. So I'm hoping he'll give me a little tour later today. So, but I've played a lot of naval simulations and naval games, even going back to like uh, Submarine from Avalon Hill back in the 70s, oh, right? Um, and there's, I think you hit on it right off the bat. Submarines are generally anti-commercial. They're a stealth attack. They're going up against um, commercial fleets. They're going up against merchants. And the, all of the scenarios I've ever played with a submarine in these games are similar to that. Now we're talking about what is basically a, a player versus player battle, a team player versus player battle. And it's okay, you know, we can, uh, if you know, whether we're talking ships or tanks or dudes running around on the battlefield in various levels of armor, right? We know that there's sort of tropes that go on. This is where I'm super curious. Like, how does a submarine, from a gameplay perspective, it is such a radically different uh, machine, you know, uh, entity in war. How do you make it? I mean, do you just treat it like a destroyer that can, you know, stealth a little bit? Or like, like how does it, it, do you have to change what a submarine is to make it a team player versus player battle ship? So that's a, that's a super complicated topic and there are I, I think at least three different answers from three different perspectives of, of how you can answer that question of what, what you do so the basics of uh, or kind of the general premise uh, around that is that there is a, a a certain amount of suspension of disbelief that we have to impart on people right so um, first of all, we, we tell people this is not a simulation. We're not doing a simulation. We're doing a naval combat action game uh, that follows a certain paradigm. And that paradigm is that primarily ships can fight each other regardless of national uh, affiliation. That that's already takes people out of the thinking of this is, uh, you know, historical in the sense of it portrays a conflict because I can fight, fight with a, a, a German ship alongside a, an allied ship, right? So that takes people away from, from thinking uh, this needs to be super historical. Obviously, we want we, we market ourselves as a historical game, and we want to enforce that. And we also teach people about the history of different uh, conflicts uh, through different materials that we put out on our YouTube channels and, and, and into the game in terms of mission descriptions and so on. But um, our gameplay is not strictly historical. We try to make sure that at least the the engineering and the modeling part we get as accurate as possible so that that is our historical anchor right and so after that it becomes a question of what do people want and um how do we make sure that we um fit the the general characteristics of what submarines are supposed to be doing within their uh, kind of sphere of influence and within their operational goals uh, generally speaking not strategic goals in terms of anti-merchant shipping uh, and, and so on. Uh, and at the same time, deliver uh, that feeling that people want. So, and that kind of brings us back to the fact that people want very specific experiences that they have seen and that they believe are inherent to uh, what it is like to be a submariner. They want to have the iconic scene from Dust Boat, where you are being attacked by a destroyer above you, he's dropping depth charges, and you're barely holding on, you're going to wait it out survive, not move, he's going to go away, hopefully not kill you, and then you're going to resume. And people want that moment of tension. The other thing people want, people want to look through it through a periscope and want to fire torpedoes and want to see the torpedo streak like going into the distance and then hopefully an explosion happens. So that's what people want. 
in general as an audience, right? And so we have to cater to that, uh, let's say, lowest common denominator primarily, yeah. and then try to make sure that the really historical experts in our audience don't don't feel cheated because we've made something purely fantastical out of submarines. Mm. So we're, we're trying to not to not do that, not make it purely fantastical, take the stealth elements and um, kind of have them work within a viable combat engagement scenario um, because we usually we, we don't have uh, merchant shipping in the game so the, that kind of goal uh, historical goal of submarines cannot be fulfilled within the core loop of the game and then make sure that we kind of get it right enough so that people don't feel this is not a submarine this is still a submarine it's maybe not fulfilling its historical goal but it operates around about the same way as we believe it should that's a long-winded answer, but that's kind of the reality of designing something like that. That's a great answer. It makes a it makes a lot of sense to me, actually, as you as you say all of that. It's it's funny as I was as you were saying that, I was picturing myself. Yeah, we I guess we can't have uh, a submarine, you know, uh, surfacing and then uh, breaching over a ship while rolling and uh, or doing something crazy like that. So it's got to mm -hmm. be within sort of a, a certain realism, but at the same time, it, it it almost it has to be able to quote dogfight uh, out there on the seas. Yes, but but other than that, there are certain nuances that people generally don't think about that could happen per, uh, conceivably, like, for example, a submarine surfacing below another ship and then ramming it from below. <laughs> that is something that can happen in the game. And it's uh, it's something interesting that, uh, you know, people uh, get as added entertainment value because they would never see that otherwise in any yeah. other uh, portrayal because, well, it didn't happen, but it could have happened. So is that confirmation that submarines will be able to use the die-hard flag? Um, yes, generally speaking, yes. Oh, I just became absolutely the most scum player on the planet right there. <laughs> no, I mean, it's been tested before, and it works uh, just as you imagine it would. Uh, but because of the difference in tonnage, so in hit points, uh, yeah. die-hard might not save you, depending on what you ran. Oh, no. This... If it's a damaged destroyer, Exactly. Yeah, I was. Just, it, it better. It's either going to be something lower tier than me, or it's going to be a destroyer. Because anything else, I'm just going to implode. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, John has has no way of knowing this. One of the uh, one of uh, the customization mechanics in World of Warships is that you're able to equip a ship with up to eight. You know, essentially, what you call. Uh, I, I actually don't remember what what the actual technical term is. Are they? They're not. They're not minutes. Signals. Signals. Thank you. And one of them is that when you ram another ship, you suffer 50% less uh, damage from the ram because oh. it's not one way. When you ram somebody, everybody takes damage. And that pennant, a lot of times, is the difference between, like, more often than not, you see it on battleships. Sure. Where you'll see something, uh, the French, or French battleships are notorious for it. They'll ram into somebody and they'll take, like, 15 to 20,000 damage. The other guy will just explode. And it's, I don't know the exact math on tonnage and health. But a lot of times you'll see guys survive on like a thousand or two or three thousand health out of a pool of fifty to sixty thousand, and it's gorgeous. Nothing. The chat in those games goes absolutely insane when somebody gets rammed. That's awesome. Um, now, is there is there a little bit of uh, inadvertent ramming that goes on too as people are trying to too much close maneuvering and such? Sure, of course. You know, in the heat of battle, everything can happen, and it's happened more than once. But that's also why I always have on my battleships a ramming flag, just because. Um, I like to play, play aggressively, and so I take that into consideration that either 
something like that might happen where I'm inattentive and you know something might pop up in front of me or somebody might try to ram me or I might you know, a, I might want to have that as a tactical choice for yep. whenever I need to uh, you know plow my way through something there there is always that that terrifying moment where you turn where you're going around an island you look to your left and there's a there's a guy 3k from you <laughs> and you're just like well we both know where this is gonna go <laughs> uh, yeah. that, that I, I'm also so I'm uh, I'm primarily a Republic and, a, and an on-re player, and I don't leave without a ramming flag because if I don't, someone's going to ram me. And the Republic is my – the Republic is a ramming ship. It really is. You've got it, – it soaks damage, I think, better than any other battleship in the game. Maybe the Kreml I – mean, I take it back. The Kerr first, I think, is probably the number one. Um, but then you've got 36 to 37 knot speed with the right mark, with the right signals on it. And I, I – Yes, I love it's it, one, man. Of, I love it. one of those ships where if you really want to ram somebody, they're not going to escape. They're not going to stop you. Yep. Um, you're going to lose your front turret on the way in, but you know that's most likely. That's yeah. why you have. That's why you have another one. Um, but I want to get back on track. What we were talking a little bit. We started to kind of move towards the discussion of roles. Um, yeah. Obviously, the major damage dealers. The way I am. The way I'm. I evaluate the game right now is the major damage dealers are HE cruisers. Smolensk, Henri um, to a degree, although the caliber is, is much different. Um, the War, the Wooster, the D, the Des Moines, and then you've got the battleships, and then obviously the carriers. But that's a whole other conversation. I'm not going there. Um, what is this? What is your guys's vision for a submarine's role in direct combat? Is this going to be an assassin? Is this going to be a, a spotter? What uh, what what should in terms of just direct application, like I'm going to pick up a submarine at tier six, the first time I've ever driven it, what should I be trying to do? Am I a cap? What's my goal? So that's a, a difficult question to answer. And quite surprisingly, I don't think that we actually have a, an, an assigned role for submarines in that specific sense that you mean. And this is the same actually as for carriers. Carriers also don't have a specific assigned role in that same sense. Sure. But you have you have uh, very specific uh, interactions in the game between the, the three core classes where they kind of counter each other very naturally in a sense yeah but not so much carriers carriers are kind of on top and depending on what kind of carrier it is and what kind of gameplay the player prefers and how proficient he is in it um, they can do different things obviously mm -hmm. they provide visibility just because that's unfortunately how they influence a general combat engagement. They that's, that's how they work. Yep. They have their mobility. And so submarines will do that as well by necessity, just because uh, similar to carriers, they will not use um, their speed to be um, um, to be in a place and in a position to uh, kind of spot the whole enemy team, but they're going to use their stealth. Right. So they're going to provide visibility, just like carriers do in a sense. But other than that, it's going to depend very much on the preferred play style of the player. Whether he wants to, to have a more uh, team-focused role, just providing that visibility, and potentially uh, he enjoys that stealth gameplay more, so he's more about sailing undetected and being sneaky or playing Silent Hunter, basically. Yep. Uh, and then emerging a, at some point you know, undetected, uh, knowing where, where all of the enemies are, and potentially, you know, capping a a uh, capping a, a circle on the map, 
or they're going to want to play that more aggressive role, that kind of wolfpack role where they want to always be in their periscope view and they want to fire torpedoes and they want to sink things. Yeah. So that mostly depends. And you should you you should generally try to do both. Yeah. Other than that, it will depend on uh, the submarines and their technical specifications because they're going to be skewed a little bit towards one or the other. One, one type mostly will allow you to stay uh, underwater for uh, longer times or be operational underwater without, you know, having to go out of your way to replenish your reserves. And mm -hmm. the other ones will be kind of more risk reward type gameplay where you are um, better at uh, dealing damage, for example, but you have to spend, you have to pre-plan a lot and you have to spend a lot of more of your, you know, your uh, time uh, working on those reserves and then uh, attacking at a specific time and place. The way a submarine works lends itself very well to an ambush style. That's kind of what they're for. Depending on which nation's destroyers you play, the Americans are pretty famous for this. The the, uh, the reverse and torp Japanese destroyers, kind of in the mid-tiers, are also famous for this. Are they? Is there any worry that you're maybe going to force out destroyers any more than they already have been by adding the submarine? Is that a, has that discussion been had? I guess discussion has obviously been had. It's we we don't believe that uh, the role of destroyers will be diminished in the battle. That's okay. primarily because. We don't. We didn't see the population of destroyers be significantly diminished by the changes in aircraft carriers, for example, and increase in aircraft carrier populations, which the community has said that that's absolutely the case. It's actually not the case, and so we also don't believe that submarines will do that. Yes, they will encroach a little bit on the role of destroyers in in terms right. of being able to spot, but they will also have their own limitations in doing that, and so it'll come uh, kind of down to uh, players having to choose which type of st very specific gameplay they want, or rather whether they want to have the more specific gameplay of submarines that provide spotting in a potentially uh, more safe environment uh, because of their stealth advantages, or whether they want to have more utility because of the speed advantage that destroyers are going to afford them. Right, yeah. And most players will still choose that because, for one, it's the thing that they know and love. So they're going to prefer spreads of torpedoes plus speed plus the utility offered by smoke screens and all the other consumables. Right. And the, the huge variety of destroyer gameplay types that we already have. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's going to be a smaller subset of players who, who really uh, buy into the fantasy and the uh, romanticism of submarine gameplay. They are born to be submariners and they're going to be submariners no yeah. matter what submarines play like. Uh, but that's most likely going to be a um, an audience that is somehow similar to carrier players in that sense. They just want that experience. And they just want that experience. They're yep. going to play that, right? And so even if even if submarines do uh, encroach a little bit on the role of destroyers in that sense, that just means that the meta of the game uh, is going to change. And that's yep. fine. People need to understand that that's fine. And yep. new meta doesn't, change, doesn't mean that the game is objectively worse by necessity. It just means that the game is changing and evolving. And that means that people get a fresh type of gameplay as well alongside of that. Do you picture that so we'll have kind of, uh, submarine on submarine kind of meta game going on too, where we have submarines on both sides hunting each other down? Will there be missions where it's only submarines in some sort of weird underground stealth tag mm -hmm. game? Um, how does how do you think that's going to play out? 
So the way we do missions in the game um, is kind of, uh, it doesn't really lock you into a lot of stuff. So in that sense, you have a large variety of missions to choose from all the time. But yes, most likely there will be submarine related missions that you can only uh, uh, do on submarines. There won't be too many of those, but they will most likely be cyclical, just like we have for the other uh, the other classes, or or they will be just tied to some um, historical uh, event that we are kind of pointing towards within our mission system because we have a calendar and and sometimes we do themed missions. So if there is a an event that happened that involved a lot of submarines, we, we might we kind of have a mission in the game that reflects that, and that would be most likely doable only with submarines or only with destroyers uh, against submarines, for example. Oh, yeah, that might be so, a more realistic kind of a scenario, too. Yeah, that so would things be like that absolutely are going to happen in the game. Presumably, uh, after we've introduced submarines and everybody is mostly happy with them, right? That would be kind of falling under the uh, the operations mark, the the operation missions, right? And also some of the naval warfare stuff. So uh, operations are kind of a separate discussion around that. <laughs> operations are good um, in the sense that that um, submarine uh, warfare is, uh, especially in uh, in and around World War II, is kind of conducive to producing those kinds of scripted missions because they're very very one sided in terms of portraying them. Yeah. So either it's a submarine hunting something and you, you only control the submarine and there's not much that can influence uh, your experience in in that type of uh, in the type of engagement or it's the other way around you have a destroyer uh, which is usually you know uh, protecting a convoy and you need to protect it against a submarine so you need to do a very specific role uh, and, and fulfill specific tasks within that role and also not much can happen to you uh, within that. And so scripted missions are good for portraying that. So we're definitely going to look at, at uh, whether we can introduce one or two of those in the future, just because of uh, that um, uh, ability of, um, of uh, scenarios to allow us to uh, portray submarine warfare very, very accurately and very yeah. lifelike in that sense. Um, but other than that, it's mostly going to be uh, the general mission system that we have in the game, which just allows you to have, you know, your missions on your account and then fulfillment of those missions in the battle and potentially campaigns as well, because they work kind of on the same uh, framework. With, uh, with submarines offering such a radically different way of approaching direct combat, um, they're, they're obviously going to probably have, and this is just because of, the limitations they have. They're going to be probably a lower average damage roll, uh, even depend even with certain na you know nation scaling. This speed, me and John were both looking at, and we're finding that interesting. That's one of those moments where you kind of had to put aside a certain amount of historical accuracy in order to provide what you know what you were talking about in terms of a compelling gameplay experience. Um, one of my favorite yeah, things. Two knots underwater all day long. <laughs> I mean, so like the all the other submarine games I've played. The interesting yep. comment about that is we, we thought about that in the design stages a lot. And the thing is, if you are underwater in a submarine and you don't have points of reference, you don't know how fast you're going. So what matters is that you get from point A to B 
and the amount of time or the the other markers that would allow you to gauge your speed are not that important because you don't you don't see anything underwater you right. have like a, a gray goop of of uh, you know green green sea around you and as long as you don't see fast moving targets that would tell you hey i'm probably moving too fast for a submarine it's very easy to suspend that disbelief right, so that's yeah. not as long as you're underwater and you're not being a speedboat you know that's on on the surface most of the time it's mostly fine because people will generally not have that feeling that they're going too fast yeah i, I was more going to talk about it in terms of in, uh, in an operational capacity one of my favorite things to do is uh, so I, I love french destroyers uh there is a bone in my body that absolutely just loves to you know type in yeah. all, all caps in the beginning of chat yolo and just you right like your reload boosters, I understand. Right, right up through the right up through the B cap, and I'm going to go carrier hunting. And I swear to God, if you're there when I get there, something really bad is going to happen to you. Is there? Uh, destroyers are obviously going to be the main line of defense against submarines, because the way I understand it from the article, uh, without the hydro consumable, cruisers are going to have almost no way of interacting with destroyers, and battleships even less so. Uh, that's which is accurate. If you're in a battleship and something the size of you know, a, not even a telephone pole pops up out of the water, the odds of you being able to do anything about it, especially at a certain range, is essentially min, is essentially nil. Is there going to be any kind of limitation, I guess, on guys getting on snipe? Is there any kind of internal anti-griefing, I guess? Because everybody in, because another thing about World of Warships is people maximize damage. I'm sure you've seen the num you you've seen the numbers more than I ever will. Carrier players go for battleships because that's how you stack up the numbers. Destroyer players, they'll dump 15 torps into any channel that they can get in the hopes that they'll get a lucky detonation. Cruiser players load the HE because that's how you burn somebody to death in two minutes. How are submarines supposed to keep up in terms of affecting the outcome of a game, not just with spotting, I guess is what I'm trying to ask. So that depends how you define uh, keeping up. So yes, current gameplay is predominantly focused on damage, and it's true that uh, submarine torpedoes will also be dealing damage, and that is partially your way of participating in the battle in a meaningful mm -hmm. way. Sure. But uh, we're going to try and balance that and make sure that you get experience uh, and you get battle results and battle yeah. contributions, not just for doing that, because if we uh, rely too much on that, then that leads us to the, the balancing problem that you're kind of describing, where uh, we go from either not doing enough or uh, having uh, you know nuclear warhead torpedoes which just blow you up <laughs> level, which is which which then leads to griefing potentially yeah so we're going to uh, we're going to try and find a sweet spot between those two extremes where, where? there's enough counterplay or there's enough uh, possibility re to react for people to not feel like hey i have no chance because that guy has homing torpedoes and they're you know armed with nuclear warheads and if they hit me i'm dead right uh, and potentially the ability to uh, counteract that, even though it might be in a truncated way if you're playing a battleship and you're you're supposed to have a submarine as your uh, natural nemesis. But still, um, right now, if uh, a submarine needs to surface for uh, replenishment and if you fire an HE salvo, uh, of battleship caliber guns at it, there's a high chance that uh, just the splash damage alone will, will yeah. just sink it. Or oh, so, oh really? Their, their health is going to be that low? Yes, their health their health is generally sub sub ten thousand. So um, if you obviously it's it's 
you know, there's a, a high random factor involved in, in battleship salvos and in general in yeah. salvos. That's yeah. why we we don't uh, have pinpoint accuracy just like you would have in World of Tanks because that would they would need us to scale down the damage numbers to be able. I, to I remember them. the battle days, the BBAP meme. Yep, I remember. Exactly. <laughs> so so we can't have that. We need to have dispersion and stuff for yeah. uh, for the game to be viable and for you to be able to, to fire salvos. But uh, that being said, if you do score a new hit or a, a, even if an HE hit, uh, submarines, they have no armor. You're going to penetrate no matter what. And if you do full yeah. damage, you're going to sink a submarine. Right. So, and what people mostly didn't remember because they didn't need to know that in most cases is that ballistics, they don't, they don't stop, they don't terminate at, at the water level. They, they actually do uh, penetrate a fair amount below the, the water. So. Uh, yeah. As long as the submarine is near the the surface, you still have a fighting chance of actually dealing damage to it with um, with normal surface weapon weaponry, and that's ultimately what we're going to try to do in terms of balancing the, the power levels. Plus, we're going to look at uh, having active countermeasures of some kind. So, for destroyers and for light cruisers, that's going to be depth charges by default. Okay, and we're also going to see whether it's a viable idea to give other classes um, other potential countermeasures like maybe a, uh, a plane that launches from your catapult and that has depth charges. That's something oh, which, or, or anti-submarine bombs, for example, not yeah, yeah. Charges. but that's a viable idea that we need to, to see if, if it's, first of all, if it's necessary for those classes to yeah. have something like that, because it adds complexity as well to, to doing something against submarines. Uh, and that's something that we would need to balance as well. I'm, I'm glad you brought up consumables because consumables a lot of times are the make and break, not only of a line, but in a lot of cases of a ship type. Um, the like for a long a long time, I was of the opinion that light cruisers are essentially just pinatas because they're they didn't get any kind of special. They they never had any special consumables difference from the heavies. And they were just floating citadels, especially in the mid-tiers, four to seven. You were just waiting for somebody in a Congo or a Nagato to just go, you know what, I feel like this guy's annoying me. Goodbye. Um, so, so we read, John and I went over the news release, and we've all, I've also been doing talking to a couple people about what the uh, expectations are as far as the, the oxygen consumables and the, um, the, the, the pain, the, the hydroacoustic, not the hydro, but... I forget the name. I'm terrible at this. The, what is, you know, I assume there's going to be more based on nation variants, right? Should we expect, is that kind of the base, is that, are those four the basic and then we should expect more? Like, you brought up DOS boot, and a lot of other submarine movies have used this trope. Is there going to be kind of a, a junk, like if you get hit, will you be able to drop a certain amount of junk release as kind of a fake, you know, as a way to throw off the two kilometer ping guarantee? That's a, a strong maybe. So the okay. thing is, the thing is, we're we're now focusing on getting the gameplay, the core gameplay, right? Sure. And after that, we'll see. So, as always, our development and, and design team—they're like planning a few years uh, into the future. So there's probably a draft of potential submarine consumables for the future somewhere. Okay. Um, but we we don't have any strong plans right now in terms of what that would look like. Right now, we're in in testing stages. And uh, if everything goes well with those testing stages, then we're going to see the introduction of submarines and we're going to gradually see uh, 
see them introduced into the various different game modes that we have in, in World yeah. of Warships. Uh, and we're going to do that one, one by one because all of them are slightly different and all of them are for, for a slightly different audience and they yeah. are governed by a slightly different rule set. So we're going to see uh, whether people are fine with uh, submarines in random battles, whether people are fine uh, with submarines in com uh, competitive modes that we have. Um, and once we're mostly happy with that, we're going to look at, uh, you know, increasing uh, uh, the potential utility or variety of submarines that we have in the game, or what kind of typical gameplay that they offer, because the the gameplay that they're going to offer at the start is anyway going to be almost mind blowing to some people just because of how different it's going to be compared to what right. they know, what they've what they've learned over four years of World of Warships. Yeah, the uh, the gameplay variability of that a submarine offers in a direct literally just a throw like you could call it a throwing rock simulator like if you really wanted to is going to be it's going to freak some people out at the first couple times they get hit yeah. like the the john may not know this uh, and some of our listeners may not the biggest what one of your biggest defenses against being spotted from beyond your ability to see anything is team radar and the way i understand it uh periscope ship uh submarine periscope depth is not going to be detectable by radar, it's only going to be hydro. Do I have that correct? Yes, that's correct. At least okay. according to current design. Yes. Current design, and when you have that involved, I mean, you're when you have a mechanic set that way, people are going to have it's it's you've gone to like the, almost a hockey frame of mind where it's like your head has to be on a swivel all the time looking for these looking for these bubble trails because if you if you don't, you could catch two citadels from a guy who spent the first ten minutes of the game driving into your deployment zone, and all of a sudden. What do you do? Do you see submarines almost becoming kind of like the uh, artillery anti-camping mechanic? So um, that's hard to answer because it, it highly depends on what the design is going to be. But okay. that was one of the considerations that we were looking into at the very early stage. So for example, we were thinking of spawning submarines behind the enemy team. So it's probably not going to happen just because it ends up being probably too powerful for the submarine because that 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 basically stops people moving, because they would need destroyers would need to probably go back and start doing you know circles right, yeah. in their own fleet, which might be historical in terms of a convoy protection role, but it's not fun and it's not going to move the battle any closer to its to its conclusion, uh, and so that's probably not going to happen, um, but but those kinds of considerations is something that we're looking into that that potentially. Uh, they are going to be meta-changing in, in that way, that they're going to kind of dislodge uh, masses of ships from behind islands, for example, just because of their yeah. ability to, to uh, position themselves undetected from an angle uh, that people don't expect. Um, but I don't think that that's going to be uh, a super prevalent tactic. It's going to be more of a niche thing, just because submarines are, are generally not going to be fast enough and people are not going to be patient enough to That's do that true. most of the time. There will be those people who, you know, we've mentioned before, who are really into the fantasy of, of Silent Hunter, they're yeah. probably going to do that. And they're going to be super successful. And they're potentially going to be happy with lower damage numbers over the course of the battle, just right. because they spend, they're going to spend an inordinate amount of time getting there versus yeah. just, just dealing damage to people who pop yeah. up somewhere. Right. So they get the excitement so, off that one strike, that one attack, even if it doesn't get them a big score, they, they accomplished what they were trying to do. Yes. 
Yes, so and that, I, that was, that's fun for people. That's fun for me. That's yeah. what I play for. I play for that one salvo where, where you know, in chat people are like, that was the one. Yeah. The salt, the salt generating. <laughs> no, not the salt, but you know. As I've kind of went through this again, we you know, thank you, Vince, for inviting me to to join you on this interview. And you know, World of Warships is a game that that I looked at a little bit when it came out, and that was what three, four years ago, I guess, something like that. Five years ago. Yeah. And uh, five years and uh, five years and two months. And it, it it's always looked fun. Um, just no reason I haven't gotten into it. It's just you know one of those games. There's so many games out there, right? Um, so now I've cycled back to it, and I'm looking at this game, and I already just recreated an account. I'm starting to download it on my my gaming PC. So so I, I'm going to give this a try. But what worries me is like so many games like this. I'm coming into it four years late. Now I'm an experienced gamer, but is uh, how hard of a hill am I about to climb? Am I going to jump in and just get wiped up by all these experienced, overpowered players and not have a fun experience, or am I going to be able to? to go in and play against other noobs at least for a while? Uh, do I have to wait six months to get to a sub once I've gone in? Like, what, what, what's my new player experience? Um, so it, it's a bit of all of what you, uh, what you described, to be perfectly honest with you. So um, the game does require investment of time. We, yep. don't, we don't block you from um, reaching at least the, the mid-technology levels. Uh, very significantly, we just give you uh, a small period of uh, fighting against uh, AI opponents in the very beginning for you to understand what the UI is like and what the general pr uh, premise of the game is. Uh, and then you are going to have your choice of, uh, of uh, ship classes and you're going to progress into the mid-tiers within uh, probably your uh, two or three days, assuming okay. that you play like, like 10 or, or 15 battles per day. Sure, sure. On average. Nice good right? gaming session. That's 10, 15 battles, that's what, maybe a, a three-hour session or so? Two, two to three hours, yes. Okay. So, uh, and you're going to be in the mid-tiers. In the mid-tiers, people are going to wipe the floor with you, but that's not because they're overpowered. That's because they know more than you. Oh, okay. Because the, the majority of the difficulty in World of Warships comes, comes from knowledge. Uh, there is a, a huge amount of knowledge that you need to, to you know, uh, onboard about which ships do what exactly to your ship and what you do to them in uh, specific uh, environments, right? So if you, um, if you are a proficient gamer uh, and you play other games and, uh, you know, especially historical games or shooter games, then it's going to be easier for you because you're going to understand the, uh, some, of, some of the interactions that are already in the game just because they're not very different mm -hmm. from other games. And if you have historical knowledge, then you're also going to be able to approximate what the impact is in the battle. So, you know, if you if you know your German battleships, you probably you probably know their caliber, and you probably know what your uh, what you should be able to reliably uh, penetrate and not. Um, and you should, you know, have a, a general idea of how sluggish the ship behaves, or you know, how many torpedoes it can take. Sure, especially once you get used to the scaling of the entire system. So it sounds like ships are appropriately scaled relative to each other then. Yes. So once you, oh, get, once you get a hang of the controls and how to aim properly, how to position yourselves and how to control your turrets and all that stuff, it's not going to be super difficult. You're going to start progressing really, really fast in terms of how effective you are at using the things that you have at your disposal on your ship. Nice. So it sounds like maybe a, a few weeks of uh, kind of dedicated learning gameplay as we have to with any game we want to, 
you know, dedicate some time to, and then after that, it's, uh, it's yeah. let it loose, well, right? Yes, but if you want to play a Yamato, then that's going to take you a while to unlock. It's going to take a while. Okay. <laughs> so so what, how long, let's say, from when I first started, and I'm going in, and let's say I'm playing, uh, let's say, three nights a week, three, four hours at a time, and uh, I'm, I'm okay. Am I going to be playing the Yamato in six months, three months, a year? Six months, six to seven months probably is mm -hmm. an accurate assessment, depending on whether you want to invest money into the game. Obviously, the game is free to play, so free to play, so it does have um, premium mechanics that that uh, increase your leveling speed. Basically, oh, that's sure. that's all they do. Uh, but that being said, if you are an active player and you do all of those missions and you participate in the events that we run, then you're going to get a lot of stuff for free from us anyway, and you're going to be able to progress faster than you know a normal player that maybe spends one session per week and just you know hops on on the weekend. Right. So, so tell me about that. these events. That that sounds interesting. Uh, I I think back to to days of your playing uh, various games where where devs would hop in for special events, special missions, maybe even jump into your game and do something crazy. Uh, is is that what we're talking about here? What's going on? Devs jump into games. I have seen it. I have gotten worked by dev teams before. It is not fun. That's <laughs> awesome. No, that's that's amazing. No, nobody. I have been slapped around worse by dev teams that, and I've and I've played clan battles against Rain, and was it Chaos? One of the one of the one of the Southeast Asian clans who 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 plays this top three pretty much every single season. They I got worked worse by a team of devs than either one of those. Uh, like it's playing against the player is one thing, playing against the guys who build the game is something else. Yes, especially our Russian devs. They're uh, in a league of their own. Uh, and, and that's because we have some guys that actually run three accounts all, all the time, and they just play actively on three accounts because they're crazy, but because they're, they love the game. That, that's but, actually a real good sign. When you hear that the devs are playing the game they created and, and regular and passionately, that, that already tells me that the people who are most interested in keeping the game you know, healthy and are most capable of making it healthy are also most interested in keeping it out. That's that's an amazing sign right there. So that's that's really good. Yeah, that, that's true. But sometimes we need to make them stop because we need to keep them healthy. You know? Oh yeah, fair. Well, sometimes well they're over work hours and not work hours. I, I might imagine it might blend together a little bit uh, doing that type of work. They do, especially now when we're all at home. So they do blend in. But but coming back to uh, to the the question that you asked. Uh, which is almost escaping me now. Um, uh, he, was, he was asking about special events and yeah, some of the extra events. rewards that come out of things like that. So I wanted to say, so we, we do jump into battle with players uh, once in a while, especially when we're doing you know, our weekly streams, we play with people uh, on stream and, and talk and chat with the community. And sometimes we do very specific events where you know we're going to take you know, a, a division of specific ships, or we're going to do something, something similar. But we don't do that that often, just because there's also, you know, a trope where people think, hey, devs have a power boost, and uh, we don't want to go into a battle and then significantly influence it because the losing team were, were, will be like, hey, that's not a great experience because we were beat by the devs. So you know, it's a it's a PvP game. So if you have a dev on one on one side, then you're making it better for one side, but you're making it worse for the other side. So we need to kind of uh, manage that and manage people's expectations of how much of that we can afford to do. We, we honestly we don't want to, you know, to aggravate people at the same time. Uh, 
But that being said, we do um, run a lot of events uh, that are you know outside of the game or in the meta meta level of the game, where we will run themed missions. As I said, we're going to run um, uh, seasonal events. Right now, we're coming up on Victory Day, so we're going to run a Victory Day special mission uh, chain and special events over there. Uh, and sometimes we do community contests as well, where you know if you um, do very well in battle in a specific ship or in a specific, uh, uh, you reach a specific result, then uh, we might reward you if you're better than you know the the majority of the community. And so if you participate in in most of those, you're gonna get a lot of uh, free stuff from from us well, on top on top of just the stuff that you get in in battle from syncing other players. My personal favorite is uh, every Halloween, they send out, I don't know if they're played by the devs or if they're AI, they send out a bunch of what are called event pumpkin ships. And you, I think if I remember the last time, it was 100 doubloons for every time you sank a pumpkin ship. And those, just, are, it, those are actually played by real people. They're not bots. Oh, those are, okay. The rumor is always that, there's, that they're AI with different levels of, uh, of intelligence. No. I, I, I didn't know they were devs. They're they're not so obviously we would like to automate this kind of stuff but we it, it's difficult for us to just inject a bot into a random battle because we don't yeah. have the kind of functionality we never developed it because we didn't need it but the thing is, the funny thing about AI is we we do have a developed AI for which we developed specifically for uh, operations for scenario battles and uh, we have an uh, an AI level that's uh, just insane and that's too good and we. I, I, and I we, remember some of the stories about people screaming because they couldn't beat it the first couple of times yes, you ran. We had to we had to remove that level because it was insane. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the AI was clapping full teams and losing light and, and losing absolutely nothing. I mean, just reaction yeah, time alone. Years ago, AI should if do I remember. Well. And it's just based on positioning, scripting, and reaction time. It's not based on them having more damage or something. The ships are the same. It's just the AI knows what to do in certain cases. Yeah. Well, and you said it right there. Knows it. That's what happens. You get you get really good players, developers. They codify their thought process into a script, and you end up with killer AIs. That's amazing. <laughs> I myself would just say, you know, what are what are my last thoughts? Like, uh, what what do I want to know? What do I want to hear? What do you want to say about World of uh, Warships? Well, if you're not in World of Warships yet, I, I suggest that you try it because now is a great time, especially for the fact that uh, we're going to be running that submarine test within the next patch which is coming out in may uh, we're going to release them on our live servers to get uh, you know live data but we're going to release them in a separate uh, very controlled environment in a separate game mode but if you if you join now and if you kind of get yourself and your account into the mid tiers right now then uh, you'll be able to try those and you'll be able to potentially influence the development and we always encourage our community to do that Please help us come to our, our public test servers, play the ships, give us feedback, because ultimately that's what we what we need to make sure that we're still you know delivering the kind of gameplay that people want and that we're steering uh, steering the ship in the right uh, on the right course, you know, so to speak. I think that's a perfect place to end it. Arthur, thank you very much for offering us this opportunity. For me, this was absolutely a treat. I never expected to have this chance, and to have it was near and dear to my heart so sir thank you very much it has been a pleasure and a privilege to have you yes thank it's you very much pleasure. i really appreciate it what a delight i wasn't sure what to expect going in here uh 
I think I've just uh, found a new passion because I am really excited to try this out. You've got me all fired up. And, and again, we really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. My time is yours, guys. I always enjoy talking about the game because I'm also part of my passionate team and I love my game. Otherwise, I would probably not be doing this job. So I'm happy and I'm always happy to talk to people who, who actually know something about either the pillars of our of our game design. So, you know, historical naval warfare or that actually play the game and know what to talk about. As long as I had two good moments during this interview, I'm happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Five zero feet, I sir. Chief of the watch on the one MC. Die.